Welcome to Alley All Ears, a podcast from Houston's Alley Theater. Alley All Ears features interviews with directors and designers, playwright Q&As, sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes information, and more. Welcome to Alley All Ears. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey there, I am Rob Melrose, the Artistic Director of the Alley Theater, and I'm here with the director of our upcoming production of Sense and Sensibility, Adriana Bear. Hello, I'm <laughs> Hello. so happy to be here. Hey, we are so thrilled to have you here, and you'll find out more about why we're so thrilled, why I in particular am thrilled. But I want to start because, Adriana, you even, even at our introduction, you, you kind of talked about um, your deep connection with the regional theater movement. Of course, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary, and you have a very deep connection that I thought it'd be fun for you to mention to, as we start out. Yeah, I am uh, truly one of those regional <laughs> theater babies. I was raised uh, in and around American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. My father was the founding general manager of that company, um, before I was born. Um, and sort of because of, of my understanding of the history of the American Regional Theater, I actually knew about the alley when I was a young tyke because of the the really important history of the alley for for all of us um, in the regional theater movement. So it was my dream as a kid to be directing at large regional stages, and and so I'm here now. I'm very, very mm -hmm. happy. Okay, we're happy too. <laughs> and my next question is kind of fun. Adriana, how did the two of us meet, and why was that awesome? Well, Rob. <laughs> so, Rob, if you'll if you'll travel back in time with me a really long time ago, uh, you applied for a job as a high school theater teacher in Marin County, California, and I was the student on the committee that was hiring you. So I interviewed you when I was, I believe, 16, um, and you got the job. And then you and I discovered uh, a shared aesthetic and joy. And after college, thank you for this, you hired me as your associate artistic director at the Cutting Ball in San Francisco, where we worked together for many years. So uh, yeah, we go back, Melrose. Yeah, <laughs> we go back. We go back decades now. Decades, decades. yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. And um, I just remember being really impressed with you. <laughs> you. You took the interview very seriously as you were 16, right? Mm -hmm. As a 16-year-old, very focused and very serious about, you know, your beloved teacher was leaving and you were very serious about wanting to make sure for your senior year, you had someone who was really good, um, and so that was that was an amazing moment. Um, and I was impressed with your intelligence way back then. As your senior project, you directed a fabulous production of Spring Awakening, the play, not mm -hmm. the musical. Mm -hmm. And then um, at Cutting Ball, you did um, productions of my translation of. Um, no Exit, that was wonderful, and, and uh, Martin Crimp's translation of The Maids by Genet, and then my one of my favorite productions of all time directed by anybody was <laughs> um, my translation of Wojciech by Buchner, and you just hit it out of the park so hard. It was so 
inventive. It was physical. It was it was just really really um, exciting and and fun and artful. And then you went off to um, Columbia um, for their directing program, and then we continued to work together mm-hmm. on on Julius Caesar. And so you know it's it's just continued. But when um, I saw this wonderful production of this this particular adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. Saw it in a basement um, of a downtown theater in New York, which was also inventive and fast and 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 exciting and physical. And um, a number of theaters had done it on their big stages and kind of lost that sense of inventiveness, lost that sense of pace. And I just thought, who's someone who could kind of make the jump to being at a big theater we get where we get to have the best of both worlds? We get to have the beautiful costumes, the gorgeous set, but still have that sense of adventure, that sense of pace. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about this adaptation, what you like about it, um, what's special about it, and your approach. Yeah, thanks. Um, so this adaptation is written by Kate Hamill, who is a very interesting artist because she is a playwright um, and does a lot of adapt- adapting, but she is also an actor. And so often she is in her own pieces, which I think lends a very particular sensibility to <laughs> to her adaptations. And so... Um, Here's my secret that I'll share with you and everybody listening. <laughs> um, I actually like this adaptation better than I like the book. Wow. I think it's really, really streamlined. Uh, you get kind of the 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 best hits of this story. Um, and she's done a brilliant job of really almost taking it um, like – you're making a fine reduction on the stove and Mm. you take all of the ingredients and you just simmer it and simmer it and simmer it and simmer it down until it's the the most rich and, um, and condensed version uh, of those ingredients that you can get. And one of the things that uh, I particularly like about this adaptation and, and Kate says this specifically is very important to her is that the characters speak at the rate of thought, mm-hmm. which if you think about it is really fast. And there's, <laughs> that's what we have to do with Shakespeare too. So mm. there is a virtuosity required of this text. And I think audience members might be surprised. They might come in thinking of a sort of staid, a very pleasant Jane Austen where there's pastoral views and, you know, umpire waist dresses and whatever. But um, what they'll find is some of that. But it moves really fast because the characters are um, are just desperately trying to, to uh, you know, get what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the uh, speaking at the rate of thought means that uh each scene and they're very short mm-hmm. each scene drives to its most important point and then we move on there are 11 actors playing 35 roles in 46 scenes wow in wow. this two act play and it's and it's a not a very long two act play so you can imagine uh the alacrity that is required of of mm-hmm. our cast in order to make that happen yeah Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Well, my dirty secret is I watch pa- – my wife Paige, um, who you know well, um, loves 
British mm-hmm. film, British classical films, you know, period. And of course, they're beautiful. Um, but I sometimes fall asleep in them. Yes. I sometimes have a hard time <laughs> following what's going on. I am known to say, what did he just say? You know, I'm known to say, who's this again? And um, so it was, I mean, I had heard a lot of great things about this adaptation. And so I thought I, I should see it. I wasn't expecting to like it because it isn't, you know, I love I love Shakespeare. I love all I love all kinds of classics. Um, this, you know, these these kinds of things, you know, aren't often my go to. Um, but I was amazed for all the reasons that you say that I just loved it mm-hmm. because the storytelling, unlike in a lot of films, the storytelling is so economical and you really get what's going on. What's what's the important thing about this scene? Mm-hmm. What's the important thing about that scene? And so I found it um, very easy to follow, very easy to invest in um, and just, just delightful. And it, it really showed me. Um, Jane Austen's humor, mm-hmm. what's really um, fun about Jane Austen. And I think um, some uh, some films can often get really bogged down. Um, so so that's something I think uh, I really hope that this delights our hardcore Jane Austen fans, yeah. but then also, you know, for people like me who don't don't often love those British um, films, you know, British period films, can find a way into this work that maybe they didn't have before. Oh, absolutely. There's no way anyone is falling asleep in this production. No kidding. No um, kidding. <laughs> just mostly because it moves so fast and it's really funny. Um, and there are serious moments as well. But um, one of the things that I really like about this adaptation is that we have a chorus of... Uh, they're called the gossips in this production, and they are the climbing class. So they're not quite the upper crust. They're the people who want to get to the next level. And they're they're the people that we love in period dramas because they're always, you know, they're very funny. They're very catty. They're they've got, you know, fabulous style and 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 we all know it's sort of like the the villains that we love to hate. Mm. But this chorus of voices uh, is, in a lot of ways, uh, the audience themselves. So they watch a lot of the action that's happening on stage between the various characters and comment on it and invite the audience into that conversation in a way that uh, is more welcoming as opposed to holding us at a distance by being very cautious or careful with mm. our mm. style or our language. I love that. That's great. That's great. Great, great, great. I, um, one thing that's really cool is that you and I are, you know, you're, we, a lot of directors feel limited by a resident acting company, and that's why there's so few left because people say, oh, I, I don't want to be limited by this one group of people. I want to be able to choose from everybody. But you and I are rarities that were directors who actually love acting companies and really believe in acting companies. And, of course, I grew up with the acting company at the Guthrie and loved them. You grew up with the acting company at ACT and loved them. Tell us a little bit about what 
you know, one, what's it like working with our Alley Resident Acting Company and, um, and, and what, what you see as their strengths and what's been um, enjoyable for you? Oh, it is a delight. It's a delight. I mean, I do think in some ways with the typical American theater schedule, a production like this at this scale would be almost impossible to do well with brand new a brand new group of people who had never worked together before. Yeah. We are about a week and a half into rehearsal and we are so much farther in deeper into our process uh, than I thought possible. And that's really to the credit of the resident acting company. And there are a couple of ways that that manifests. The and in no particular order, first of all, they just know each other so well. Mm. And so you immediately walk into a room, which is a which is a, a room of family members. And they know each other's quirks. They know each other's tricks. They know each other's physicality and bodies really well. So they're able to work off of each other in a way that is uh you don't you usually expect that a cast might get to that at the end of a performance schedule, you know, months in into working with each other. Maybe they'd get to that comfort level. This company has got to that comfort comfort level, you know, five years ago or more. And so that uh, that is beautiful. The other thing that's so great for me as a director who is uh, very physical um, and this production requires a great physicality as i as i mentioned an alacrity mm. uh and a um, economic <laughs> way of being in the space they know this space so well it's yeah. it, it, and so they are without even thinking about it i don't i don't think it's conscious but they are just moving through the space in such a an intelligent way mm-hmm. that's that i would never even know mm. oh it's better if if we stand in this configuration in this part of the theater or um actually it takes too long to get from this doorway to this doorway i i need to move a different way or all of those things which seem very mundane they're so uh, generous and open with their knowledge of mm. this theater and and of each other. And so I have eight in eight of the company members in this production, um, and and I love every single one of them. It, it feels mm. like a huge gift. Mm. Uh, it's so rare. I wish it were not so rare in the American Me theater. Too. It would, Me too. It would make a huge difference to the quality of work that that we all see uh, if we had more of this. But but um, it sort of exceeded my expectations in terms of working with a company. They also, uh, there's an important, this, I, I don't think this can really go overstated. The difference for an actor to have job security mm. and to have a salary and to know that that they have an artistic home means that their energy in the room is focused on the work at hand and not on all the external trappings of what it means to be a freelance artist mm. in the American regional mm-hmm. theater. It's it's not easy yeah. to be a freelance artist in the American regional theater. And these actors, they don't have to spend their emotional or, or intellectual energy on that at all. They just show up, they're here to work, they do their jobs. 
and then they get to go home and, and have lives, uh, oh. which is really beautiful. Yeah. A friend of mine said that, you know, a lot with as a freelance actor, you're always looking for your next job. But even yep. when, even when you're in a show that's lovely and you you're having a good time and you feel good about it. You've got to like you know before you even open, you need to be thinking about what's my next what's mm -hmm. my next thing because if I if there's just empty boxes in the calendar, I'm going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a nice thing. On the on the flip side of that, which is kind of cool, a, fr a friend of mine who acted at the Alley as a guest artist, she said, you know, whoa, she said, these actors are 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 thoroughbreds mm -hmm. because they they're doing six shows in a row and then and 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 they really don't get a break because then the, the next season comes and they do six more shows and she said you know i'm you know i did a show before um winter's tale right it was winter's tale and she said i did a show and then i had a month break and then i just went at winter's tale and she said i'm tired now i'm going to take another month break and then do another show she said you know during you know the run of winter's tale art resident acting company actors they were already working on their lines for the next show they you know they they were they knew they they've they've got another show to do and but but it's there's a difference in the creative energy of I'm preparing for another role yes. rather than I'm searching for another job you know? yes and I will say <laughs> a month that sounds so demure because it's been two and a half years because okay. of covid yeah. For me, uh, since the last show I directed, uh -huh. I was supposed to be here in the spring <laughs> of 2020. And of course, that got canceled. Uh, and so uh, one of the, the great gifts for me coming into this process was knowing that even though I felt <laughs> rusty and that I hadn't been in a room for a really long time. Everyone else was in great shape. <laughs> so that's been really good. I feel very supported. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's amazing because, you know, the while we were at home, we were still, those guys were still acting and they were acting hard. We were mm -hmm. doing challenging material to cameras in their homes and so they just never stopped acting. And even the things that you, audience, didn't see, we were workshopping things on Zoom, and we were doing new plays, and we were, mm. you know, investigating classics. So, no, it's really cool. So, um, what um, what do you want the audience to walk away with when they see Sense and Sensibility? Can I tell some secrets? Secrets, All please. Right. All right, audience, it. here are some secrets. So, this play ends with two weddings, right? And most people who come see this play, I think, will know the plot of Sense and Sensibility, right? They might not remember the book very well, but maybe they've seen the movie, the beautiful Emma Thompson, mm -hmm. Ang Lee, Chris, uh, Winslet, and Alan Rickman movie. Um, and I think that the trap or the the mistake with a lot of Shakespearean comedies, but also Jane Austen uh, novels and stories, is that we think that the point is to get everybody hitched up <laughs> mm -hmm. and married off, and that the 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 marriage is is key. Um, this play is about the relationship between Marianne and Eleanor. Mm -hmm. 
And so what we get to see at the end of the play is actually a coming together of these sisters and a celebration of their relationship Mm. that now gets to thrive because uh, in the time when this play was written, women could not be uh, financially independent. Mm. So they had to marry in order to live their lives at all freely. And so when they marry, and they happen to marry for love, which is a beautiful thing, um, but they finally have the freedom to to be who they are. Mm. And there's a coming together of sense and sensibility. So mm. sense being Eleanor, she's very rational, very practical. Sensibility. And Eleanor played by Elizabeth Bunch. Yes, Eleanor played by Elizabeth Bunch is all sense. And, and Marianne, played by Melissa Pritchett, is sensibility, which is the emotional side, the the very uh, driven by her gut instinct and not her rational mind. But what's very cool, I think, is that by the end, they both have both. And so mm. they've found a balance and they both have sense and sensibility. And so that's one thing. I also think that when we were first working on this play, we were working on it in 2019 and 2020 before COVID shut us all down. And I actually had a little bit of a hard time understanding or really mm. feeling uh, that our audience would would relate to a society in which people can't touch each other, be near each other, hug each other, Um even sit in rooms together if they won't, weren't in the same family unit. And now I think we absolutely understand what that is. And so it gives us this deeper um, appreciation for both the, the sort of restriction of this society that this play was written and, and, and what these women were going through um, and then the freedom that they experience at the end. And so I hope that the audience will feel will sort of go on that journey with us mm. and feel uh, joyful and feel like they've been invited to a big family reunion party where they can actually have some lightness in the darkness that we've been all all um, suffering through for the last couple of years. And in fact, this this play, I should mention, it starts with a funeral and ends with a wedding. So we really literally do go from darkness into light. So I hope that the the lightness is is part of what the audience goes out the door with. Lovely. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, last thing to talk about is, you know, so we talked about, you know, the the speed and the economy and the gr- greatness of this adaptation, but what we kind of get with the alley is the ability of, you know, a major costume shop to make gorgeous costumes. And, of course, I've been seeing the topiary trees being built. So, you know, the visuals for this are really going to be mm-hmm. at the spectacular level. And I was wondering if you could talk about, um, you know, Hunter and Michael's work. And, oh, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, the design, the design of this production is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to be a part of. Uh, but... I will say that we can all dream our dreams, but unless you have artisans and craftspeople like you do at the alley, those dreams are simply dreams. But mm-hmm. here they become reality. The costume shop here, all actually every every single department I've engaged with, 
uh, is so, it's like you have the best possible people in every position. They're so, so good. The props department, the scenic sound, everybody. Um, so these costumes are just the best. They're just the best. And so what's what we decided uh, as a team of people designing this world was that we didn't want to be so, so mired in the reality mm. of, you know, Georgian, rural England. Um, but we wanted to uh, certainly feel what those shapes felt like and what the restrictions of the costumes might feel like for each character. So we took the silhouettes of mm. the that time period and Hunter... Um, designed them with uh, contemporary fabrics, for example, um, or an embellishment that might be not the exact right period, but tells a visual story for us now. And so we've really created our own look uh, for the show that's very cohesive and gives certainly it is in a period dress, but it is is elevated and popped and a little bit more um, uh, designed. We've made a lot of choices about design. We also have a lot of costume changes. I mean, <laughs> many costume changes. Um, and so one of the the we in fact have one actor who's playing two characters in the same scene. Um, so there's been a lot of, of construction tricks and and things mm. that that are happening there. Uh, we also have this really interesting and good challenge of working on a rep set, which is something that the alley is doing this year. And so, so you know, we designed this production already. We sort of had the 2020 <laughs> version of, of the Sense and Sensibility I was originally going to come here to do. And then we entirely, we made an entirely new production mm. based on, inspired by the rep set and the fact that it it lives in two worlds it lives in a, a sort of um, natural world with the wood floor and the architecture and then in a more contemporary world with sort of the steel and the and the light the light fixtures and and whatnot so so we uh, have a really interesting take on the visual world of this mm. play uh, and yes, there are topiaries that <laughs> that live on our set. The tallest one is 22 feet tall. Oh, my gosh. Which is taller than many of the theaters I've worked in in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really tall. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces in this set. Um, and it's... I think I think this production will be visually stunning. Fabulous. Well, I think we've talked a lot. And I think um, there's not much else to say than come see the show. Um, Adriana, everything you said just, I mean, I was already very excited about the show, but I'm even more excited. And I think it's going to be um, wonderful. So thank you for being here. Thank Thanks you. for doing such, a, doing such an amazing job and for talking with us. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you for listening to Ali All Ears. Visit our website at www.alitheater.org for more 